0: expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT.
1: We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time 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 for Taiwan This Week.
2: Good evening, I'm Gavin Phipps sitting in for Keith Menconi and today on Taiwan This Week we'll be discussing the KMT's officially nominating Hong Shou chu as its 2016 presidential candidate, another stabbing attack on Taipei's metro system that has left some wondering whether media coverage of such acts is leading to copycat attacks and we'll also be getting the skinny on Kaohsiung's light rail system as it begins test runs. Joining me this evening on the telephone is ICRT's southern Taiwan correspondent Michael Smith. Good evening, Michael.
1: Hello, Gavin. Thanks for having me.
2: Right, and in the studio, we're joined by Ross Feingold of the Washington-based D.C. International Advisory. Good evening, Ross. Good evening. Okay, let's jump straight in with the KMT finally deciding on a presidential candidate. And, of course, Hong Shou chus nomination came as no surprise to anyone unless they happen to be living on the moon. But what do you guys see coming from her and the party in the weeks and months ahead as she hits the
0: campaign trail? Ross? Well, I think similar to Tai wen of the DPP, there's going to be an expectation of, from the public and media observers of what her policies will be or a need for her to state her policies. Uh, she's already had some trouble with her cross straight policy and, and how to clarify and bring it more in line with the expectations of the party leadership. Uh, now we'll move on to hopefully other issues, uh, whether it's the economy. Social spending, education, which is a controversial issue for a number of reasons right now. So I I think it's very fair for the public and the voters to expect and and frankly demand of her and the party to clarify their positions. Right. Of
2: course, Michael, she's obviously
0: going to have to build up a lot of support in the
2: Kaohsiung area and southern Taiwan, especially if she hopes to win this election.
1: Well, yeah, but that might be a bit of an impossible dream. All the polls that we've had down here and all the political pundits that I've uh, heard on television recently are basically predicting a complete write-off of southern Taiwan, which has not always been the case in in political uh, or in presidential elections. Uh, Even recently, parts of Pingdong and parts of Tainan have, have gone to the KMT, but... These days, people are saying it looks like this is going to be a clean, green sweep because she just doesn't have uh, a support base down here.
2: Well, of course, that's where she's looking to Wang Jingping. of course, I believe, because, of course, Wang Jingping. is quite... I mean, people respect Wang Jingping island-wide, especially in the south, of course, Ross.
0: That's right. <clears throat> Excuse me. That, that is where his power base is, and uh, he's represented the area in the legislature for, for many years. But it remains to be seen whether or not he, he's going to enthusiastically support Hong xiu or... Uh, support the KMT somewhat silently or quietly or jump uh, you know we're all waiting to see whether Song Chu-yu James Song joins the election race and if he does whether or not Wang Jingping would support Song it's still a, a, an unknown So that that would certainly impact the level of support that Hong is able to receive in southern Taiwan. Okay, so
2: what do you see happening in Kaohsiung, Michael, if Wang Jinping does get on board?
0: Well, there's already been a slight move uh, similar to the year 2000, where both
1: of the other opposing sides that were not the DPP, uh, represented by Chen Shui-bian that year, where both of them were begging supporters on the opposite thing to, to dump their candidate and support the other one so that the third candidate wouldn't win, if you know what I mean. So right now we're already starting to hear the people saying, well, dump Hong and save James Song, and the James Song camp people, who he hasn't even announced yet, but they're also saying, maybe you guys should think about voting for us. The problem is that you would have to get all of Hong's voters, every single last one, according to polls, voting for James Song, and then he would still just barely possibly have a chance of beating Tsai in the general election. And that just doesn't seem very likely.
2: Right, of course, and we'll be watching this story in the weeks and months ahead, ahead of the election. Moving on from politics, and another stabbing attack on the Taipei Metro has seen a knee-jerk reaction of increased police patrols on MRT stations and on the trains themselves. But there's also been some rather pointed comments towards the island's media for its alleged blanket coverage of the stabbing and concern that this could lead to copycat attacks. So, Michael, in Kaohsiung, obviously the police presence has been up to metro stations there. Yeah, they they did actually
1: increase patrols along some of the... um bigger uh, stations and you see officers walking back and forth but it is in i guess in my opinion a kind of a knee-jerk reaction that uh, really doesn't have any serious significance i mean you can't have a police officer everywhere all the time can you
2: that's true that's true what, what about this the a- accusations against the media for blanket coverage of this event and copycat attacks
1: Well, we heard from uh, several psychologists and famous doctors and people, and a few people said, well, you know, most of these people come from dysfunctional families. They engage in antisocial behavior. They don't have strong role models, anger inside of them. And it's kind of like, yeah, duh, that's kind of the profile of the people that do these sort of things. But a much more uh, meaningful comment was issued by one doctor who said that uh, this is just people trying to gain attention by randomly attacking people because every time it happens, we throw all graphics up on the screen and it's subway slasher and all this excitement and all the rest of it. So if you're a deranged young person you see all the attention that some guy is getting for this random act of violence, you might be inclined to uh, to do the same. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, the doctor who recommends that we tone down this media coverage. In fact, I, I kind of wish they wouldn't even show the person's face on television at all, but that's me.
2: Yeah, I mean, of course, the, the suspect, Guo Yun Chun, who was detained within a minute, apparently, of the attack, he was grinning. What's well,
1: he- this is a guy who'd been sleeping in city parks. He was in a bad mood. He'd come back from uh, Japan recently following his mother's death. He just he was in a really bad place and he st- suddenly came to the conclusion that doing this would would evidently get him attention. So yeah, after he was arrested, he's sitting there, smiling, and I'm on TV, I'm famous now, I'm going to go down in history. So, yeah, we need to really reconsider how we do this whole parading suspects on television, the graphics on television, uh, all of it. We just, we we overplay it too much. Of course, we're not the only ones guilty of that. The whole world has this issue, but anyway.
2: Right, of course, the the people were only slightly injured, of course, Ross. They weren't actually killed this time. Thankfully, he was caught didn't kill anyone but of course he is facing charges of attempted murder
0: yeah well uh I, I, he certainly did look creepy uh, with his smile uh the the charges uh, hopefully will be the most serious ones that the authorities can bring against him but as far as the sensationalism on, on television goes I, I think it's fair to say that uh over the last 10 to 15 years Generally speaking, when, when tragedies occur, the sensationalism has toned down a little bit compared to the early days of 24-hour news coverage in Taiwan. And to be fair, I think the regulator, the National Communications Commission, is a little more robust. Some Some would say they even go too far in telling TV stations what they can show and what they can't show. Uh, and some of the regulations and the potential fines actually are quite silly for things they, they broadcast that might seem ra- relatively innocent. But uh, I don't think we see – fortunately, I don't think we see as much blood or screaming and crying and things like that that we used to see years ago on, on Taiwan television. So uh, you know, these things take time. But uh, uh, I think the public also has an expectation that there's going to be detailed coverage of such an event.
2: Right, hopefully there won't be any such events in the future. That would be nice, wouldn't it? No mm, more stabbings
0: agreed. on anybody's MRT system.
2: Right, we'll be taking a quick break now for some very important commercials, but stay tuned as Taiwan this week will be back in a couple of minutes When we'll be discussing the Taipei city government's moves to possibly legalise same-sex marriage, and we'll be getting all the information we could ever want to know about Kaohsiung's light rail system, which just happens to be the island's first such transit system. Welcome back to Taiwan this week. And we're going to jump straight in with some two sections of regional news now. We've got Taipei City. And the Taipei City government is seeking a constitutional interpretation by the Constitutional Court. That was rather long-winded, but there we go. We can't get around saying that any other way. Into if the island's civil code violates the ROC's constitution by basically saying that only heterosexual couples can get married. I mean... Do either of you two guys see this moving on in the near future or do you think it's one of these matters that's just going to take months and months and months and months, if not years, to be go through the um, constitutional court?
0: Well, these processes <clears throat> excuse me, do take time, but uh, uh, Taiwan is generally considered very accepting of, of homosexuals and, and uh, LGBT rights and it wouldn't be a surprise if, if Taiwan is a leader or first mover in Asia uh, to legalize same-sex marriage. Uh, it's interesting to compare with what Taipei City is doing versus Kaohsiung City, and Smith could address that in more detail. But uh, civil union approach that uh, Mayor Chu and, and her team in Kaohsiung tried to move forward recently did not go down very well with LGBT community, and Taipei City instead say we're just going to go full, full forward all the way to try and get a constitutional interpretation to say that homosexual marriage should be permitted. Uh, so... Uh, it'll take time, but I, I would think the public is generally supportive of this. I would not expect a, a lot of opposition.
2: Right, so of course, Michael, Gao has allowed same-sex couples to get married recently, I believe. But they, there was something. There was a. Sp- well, it was a bit shy
1: of that. It wasn't exactly same-sex uh, marriage per se, but they were allowed to go down to city hall and register their relationships. But when you uh, saw the reaction afterwards, uh, several of the couples were quite disappointed by the whole thing because it felt very much like a separate but equal kind of, you know, compromise where we'll give you this piece of paper, but it's not exactly the same as this. And you're recognized, but not exactly. And, you know, that just doesn't, it doesn't fly anymore in the 21st century. And considering we've just seen the U.S. Supreme Court uh, legalize same-sex marriage across all 50 states, Europe is about 10 years, uh, has been doing this for about 10 years. I'm going to agree with Ross and think that uh, we're going to move pretty quickly on this in Taiwan, I'm, I'm going to guess. Also, we shouldn't forget that uh, we have one presidential candidate we haven't even discussed, the uh, Ximingda, unless, unless he's pulled out already at this point, but he has explicitly come out and expressed his support for legalizing fully and completely same-sex marriage. Tai ing has indicated that uh, she's open to the possibility, and even Hong has made comments that are somewhat favorable towards the idea. So, yeah, I think, uh, actually, we, Ross uh, could be on the money here and... Uh, things could move relatively quickly.
2: But obviously, this is Taiwan, not the United States or Europe. But I mean, obviously, it's been religious groups so far who have opposed the same-sex union legislation. Unfortunately,
1: yeah, it's been uh, mostly uh, Christian groups. The Buddhist uh, groups that I've spoken to on the topic in the past have told me that they don't really have a position in general on this and that they are uh, a little bit more into uh, live and let live sort of thing. But yeah, we've had some... Some religious groups who uh, have expressed their opinion, and to their credit, it's been uh, non-violent and uh, expressed in a democratic way. So they have the right to do that, and uh, I think that's part of a healthy society as well. But yeah, there is some opposition, but not that much if you take the entire population into it. Most people here, if they don't support it actively, they just don't oppose it actively either.
2: And we'll just have to see what happens there, and hopefully it'll go the way with. The majority of people wish it to see go. Now, let's move on to Kaohsiung and Michael. I believe you're going to give us all the skinny we need to know about the Kaohsiung light rail system, which, having seen photographs of it this week, it looks rather strange.
1: Yeah, well, uh, a few years back, I think it was 2010, uh, they tested a model made by the Siemens Corporation and, uh, over a very short track in Kaohsiung, and it was just supposed to demonstrate to the public what the idea would look like and everything, but the new one, the final version, is now ready for testing from station C1 to C4, and that basically runs along Kaishen 4th Road in Kaohsiung. Now, these trains are not made by Siemens, they're made by CAF, it's a company in Spain in the Basque region of Spain, and uh, these things are called Erbo 3, and they can run at 70 kilometers an hour. And what I think the most interesting thing about them is they use something called a supercapacitor to charge them. So in other words, it pulls up to a station, gets charged really quickly, by electricity as people are alighting and boarding the tram, and then zoom, it uses that electricity to go to the next station where it charges up again and moves along. This means that you don't need to have either a third rail in the middle of the street, which would be obviously a bad idea, or uh, the hanging lines of electricity powers. Uh, I forget, I think they're called can- cantonaries or something like that. But we won't need those electrical lines in the sky and we won't need something on the ground. So this is going to be a first. They have uh, these trams running in various European cities. I think Vienna is one of them and other places. But this will be the first time that they're running completely 100% this system. So for the first week here that started yesterday, they're going to test along this one section. And if all this works in August, they'll start doing passenger tests. And finally... Hopefully, by next summer, they will open the first 14 stops, uh, that's about almost 9 kilometers worth of, of track. And it's going to run right along the area of the, ocean, uh, the, the the port area, so you'll be able to take the train down from Kaishen Road over to the new World Trade Center Convention area, then over to the Shizuan area, and then up that sort of way. So uh, we'll have to see what effects this has on the actual transportation system in Kaohsiung overall because, as I think most people know, the MRT system is very, very uh, bankrupt and just not doing well financially as well. And as far as costs go for this last one, I'm not able to actually give you a number yet because the number hasn't been finalized because it's not finished yet, but that is not good because that means it's uh, going to overrun for sure and it's going to be very, very expensive. However, the mayor did say a couple years ago when they were first discussing this plan, that they hope to be able to put in the highest quality option that will last the longest. So they're going to spend a little bit more money, splash out a bit more for something that's a little bit higher quality. That's what we understand right now.
2: Right. What what do you see coming of this light rail in Kaohsiung, Ross? Because obviously
0: one of the criticisms of the metro system they opened in Kaohsiung was nobody used it. That's right. And uh, distances might be a little further apart in in southern Taiwan and Kaohsiung specifically. People uh, used to driving their cars Uh, and and switching to uh, metro requires time and education and acceptance for the public. I I think an interesting thing to watch as this goes forward is the level of acceptance by the public and, and the media uh, compared to what happened in Taichung with what's now become the ill-fated BRT bus system, which, in some ways, not 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 exactly, but in some ways, is analogous to a light rail, uh, and and that project was not executed the way it it could have been, uh, it didn't really meet the definition of the way a BRT should work, and when uh, Lin Jialong Lung was running against Jason Hu, he said, "I'm I'm going to I'm going to end this," and he has. Uh, it would probably cost a lot more money to end a light rail system versus a bus system. Uh, but but it was clear that the, there was a lack of execution and there was a lack of education explaining to the public in, in Taichung why it's better to use this system and and, and leave your car at home. Uh, so, so I think we'll, we'll need some some really good effort by the Kaohsiung City authorities to encourage the public to use the system.
2: Like course, this. Having seen it on television this week, there might be other reasons to educate residents of Kaohsiung about the light rail. Michael?
1: Uh, Well, in the beginning, they will place uh, various officers in front of the uh, the intersections where it it crosses, and they will control traffic. But they're hoping to eventually be able to train drivers to be able to uh, use the road with the tram. I guess uh, Hong Kong might be an example, or other cities in Europe that I've seen where you see a tram coming, you see a certain light, and you just wait for the tram, and you learn how to share the road with the tram. And so, just considering to clarify, all the motorcycles and everything down here, it could be a bit of a, a steep learning curve, but uh, hopefully we'll get to it. But one thing I was going to note about this particular one that may be a little bit different from the Taijong example that Ross just cited, is that the one thing they've done here is they've focused on the tram running along an area that is very tourist friendly. So... Perhaps, and we've had all these issues with Chinese tourist buses parked in the Xi'an area and complaints from local merchants and all the rest. It's possible that this tram line, if it does get up and running by next summer, could be used as uh, a, a major tourist route where they could park their buses a little bit further out and take this thing in, which hugs along the coastline and has nice scenic views, and then take it to the popular tourist area. So just the tourist factor of the train itself might help save it.
0: I just wanted to uh ask so the idea is that people should get out of the way of the moving tram is is that uh the best way to stay safe? <laughs>
1: I'm not exactly uh, the expert on this, but I would assume that not being in front of a moving tram is a good idea.
0: But but I, I agree with your, your point, you know, having um, traveled to Hong Kong many times over the years. Uh, they the, the trams there are popular. It's also relatively inexpensive, but it shares the road. It shares the road not just with pedestrians but with taxis and, and large delivery trucks and, and passenger cars. Uh, And and people seem to figure it out, uh, but it also goes where people need to go uh, in the central uh, areas, the northern part of of Hong Kong Island. So that's one of the huge benefits uh, of the tram. Uh, so uh, it remains to be seen Whether the, the Kaohsiung light rail Will have the same level of, of acceptance With the public
1: Yeah, and also we have, we'll we have to see If it actually genuinely cuts down On congestion in any way Because there's a huge move down here Towards uh, changing the infrastructure Pingdong to Kaohsiung The rail line is being elevated So there'll be no more rail crossings And then when you get to The Kaohsiung city limits itself The train is supposed to go underground And uh, even though it's an actual like train Not an MRT train It will go underground and then uh, go under the city, kind of like Taipei did, uh, what, almost 20 years ago here now. So putting this tram in here may or may not contribute to, to congestion uh, relief, or it might cause a, a lot more as people try to figure out how to stay out of the way of the tram.
2: Right, there we go. All the skinny we need to know about the Gaoshung light rail system. And that's all we've got time for this week. So thank you, Michael Smith, for joining us on the phone from Gaoshung. Not a problem. Okay, and in the studio, Ross Feingold. Thank you. And we'll be back next Friday evening at the same time with another look at some of the biggest news stories of the week from here in Taiwan. I'm Gavin Phipps, and have a good evening.
1: Tune in again next Friday evening at 8.30 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news, only on ICRT FM 100.